The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking for healthcare innovators and digital teams. Here on the Healthcare Wrap, we believe that the healthcare experience has to change and we're trying to do something about it. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years or we can jump in right now. And I think you know how we roll by now. We're not going to coast in neutral. We're hitting the gas. Come be a part of it. Each week, we talk about the topics that you need to know about and act on to be part of the digital transformation movement. We share tips on shifting the way that healthcare is experienced digitally and the backstage strategies for marketing, operations, and digital teams to drop the silos and stay ahead of the curve. This is episode number 157. We're now in season five, which is our quest to answer whether it's even possible to provide the healthcare experience that consumers desire. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about half-baked content. Can your content really be effective if it's just sales material in disguise? I'll talk about that. Then Gina Upple is in the house to share some provocative thinking about knowledge translation. It's one thing to have disruptive ideas of how to do things better. It's a whole other thing to truly distribute and operationalize those ideas. And that typically comes down to communication. All right, it's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. If we have a bad taste in our mouths about content marketing, it's possible that's because the content was never fully baked in the first place. What do I mean by that? We still see plenty of quote unquote content marketing that's really just thinly disguised sales material. There's a place for those materials, an important one, but the rub comes when we play it off as one when it's actually the other. I can't tell you how often I still see product demos disguised as webinars, or sales brochures disguised as blog posts, billboards disguised as, uh, never mind, just don't do billboards. It's not the fact that there's a call to action at some point in the content, it's how much of the content is going in for the kill when it's supposed to be product agnostic and focused on the audience. The earliest definition of content marketing I ever came across was about a decade ago, and it very clearly stated that content marketing is the strategy of consistently delivering value to an audience without expecting anything immediately in return. To that end, content is all about bringing value to an audience and making it clear what you're giving them. If you filled a baking pan with kale leaves and spread chocolate icing over the top, it wouldn't take very long to know that it isn't a cake. Or imagine the opposite, a pan filled to the brim with confectioner's sugar topped with seaweed. What are we telling our audiences to expect? Even people who work in marketing get confused about the difference between content marketing and other content used in marketing. 
Ann Jin, editor of the Content Marketing Institute blog, tackled this topic in a recent article called Is Proving Content Marketing ROI an Impossible Dream? She explained the difference as follows. Content used in marketing usually focuses on the sale. Think product pages, sales promotions, customer service instructions, ads, and other content designed to lead to a transaction, a sale. What's content marketing? A strategic marketing approach focused on creating and distributing valuable, relevant, and consistent content to attract and retain a clearly defined audience, and ultimately to drive profitable customer action. Think blogs, newsletters, guides, video and audio shows, and other content designed to inform, educate, or entertain. Sales aren't the immediate goal, though of course they can and should be part of the profitable customer action that's the ultimate goal. Unquote. Thanks to Anne for sharing that important difference. Broadly speaking, there's another reason why it's so important for healthcare organizations to do content right. The infodemic. For years prior to the pandemic, I've been pointing out the obligation to be trusted sources of health and wellness information because millions of people are begging for someone to guide them through the new healthcare landscape. And now with the infodemic hitting its peak, you have an even greater opportunity. I dare say a responsibility to publish good, trusted healthcare content to curb the misinformation. When content is fully baked, it tastes great. Let's stick with the recipe and serve up the things that our audience actually wants. It's either that or get ready to dig into a whole lot of kale cake. And that's the flavor of the week. All right, listeners, check this out. I guess every week is is pretty exciting, but this week is extra exciting because we have our first Canadian guest with us today. We have Gina Uppel, who is just going to give us so much to think about here. And uh, Zane can tell us that from experience because uh, Zane knows Gina. Lots of excitement here going on right now this week. So uh, Gina's in the house with us. How are you doing today? I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Well, it's so good to have you, Gina, the first Canadian on our podcast besides myself. I know. I'm used to being the first Canadian. I like that. (laughs) Well, Gina, thank you again for being here. And today we want to talk about a lot of things. We know you're an expert communicator, community builder, trust enabler, and very focused on the art and science of knowledge translation. And so we know you're joining us from Toronto, correct? Yes. And I know you do many things, but currently working with Western University as their partnership lead for the Lab of Knowledge Translation and Health. Did I get that right? You got that right. Yep. That's where I spend a lot of my time thinking about how people are thinking about information and trust and like evidence and, you know, the infodemic we have found ourselves in that has been such a ripe playground for so many of the topics that I I know you guys have tackled on the podcast. So I'm very excited to be here. Thank you so much. I can't imagine how busy you guys have been. Uh, through this pandemic, weeding through, um, you know, what gets posted on social media and what gets posted mm-hmm. in the news. And it's almost like a real life case study in some of the work that you guys do. Absolutely. I mean, I kind of fell into this work because of the pandemic, you know, like I, you know, a little bit of background, but I was doing, I was running a marketing agency in Brazil of all places, actually focused on the fintech space. And when, you know, the pandemic hit, I was really reminded of my own background in public health. You know, Mm. I actually have a background in public health. I I went to school at Western University. I'm a proud Western alumni. And I just couldn't not message some of the profs I used to do research with 
yeah. ask what's, what's going on. And that's really, you know, how I started learning about the lab for knowledge translation and health and like the role of, like, I didn't really fully grasp what knowledge translation even was, you know, we don't really talk about that as regular people going about our lives. Yeah. But I mean, my goodness, it's really come to the forefront, eh? Like I'm sure you see it at the hospital. Oh, hundred percent. Um, you know, what's interesting is Americans think about knowledge translation and communications and marketing healthcare a lot different. And so that's partly why we wanted to have you on being a Canadian who's an expert in this to maybe see if you can share with our listeners some insights. But before we get to that, one thing we always do, and we always invite our guests and listeners to share like one awesome thing that they've run across in their life. So I think it creates some cool dialogue and allows us to learn a little bit more about you. So curious if you could answer that question for us. What is one awesome thing you've heard about or something new you're doing doesn't have to be related to the subject at all. can be very personal, can be very professional. What is it? Hmm. Well, I mean, I feel like I'm going to out myself a little bit. <laughs> one thing I've been like really obsessing over lately is just video games. Like hmm. I am so curious about like the growth of some of these game experiences, especially ones targeting women. It's a really interesting growing area. Like Google it. I feel like this idea of gameplay design to like soothe people, you know, like Candy Crush has always been soothing for some reason, but like there's actually a science behind it. And I'm really interested in that space right now. And like actually considering getting myself like a Nintendo Switch just to play around. I know I never thought I'd say that, but a year of pandemic later and I'm thinking about becoming a gamer. Yeah. As you're speaking, you're you're reminding me of a group called Achille Interactive. I think they're yeah. based out of the Bay. Who's mm-hmm. been doing some really cool work in what do you call it? Digital therapeutics, if I got yeah. it right. Basically yeah, using video the games. FDA approved one. Right? Yes, that's insane. Mm-hmm. I know. Who would have yeah. ever thought that someday your doctor will prescribe a video game? <sighs> well, I mean, there is always something calming about Pokemon, you know, yes. other than <laughs> too. And like even as a, as a girl, like I remember having a Game Boy Color and an N64 because mm-hmm. my brother did. And then I eventually aged out or, you know, for some reason, you know, took a different turn when he went down the PlayStation route. But I feel like, yeah, groups like Achille are like so interesting to me. Like what is Don't that? Matter? Especially like when everyone's like younger generations are on like, like Roblox. It's I don't like, even know like, what that is. Like it's a video game. Have you heard about that, Jared? Yes, yes. In fact, no, my comment was going to be, you know, it's it's not so shameful these days to have never <laughs> aged out, as we say, you wow. know, it's just not, doesn't seem like there's much of a stigma with that anymore. So, you know, it's, and it, I, I do have to say, you know, it's convenient to have uh, kids who are looking to have some gaming going on in the household where I'm like, okay, if that's the thing that you need, you want, okay, I guess we'll get that for you because I'm, you know, of course <laughs> I wouldn't be playing it, but you know, it's great. Yeah, I know. I say bring back Neopets. I Love it. Back. <laughs> I bring back Roller Coaster Tycoon. That was my game back in the day. I loved it. <laughs> loved it. Man. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's jump back into the subject matter here. So again, wanted to talk about sort of trust, communication, community building, and ultimately knowledge translation. Gina, where would you say, call it the incumbent healthcare industry currently is in that space? How are they doing? What are they doing? Are they doing it well? Tell us. Tell you. Well, I think healthcare in Canada, at least, sort of, 
I play two hats, right? So I do mm-hmm. this research world and I'm also in the health tech world uh, mm-hmm. working for an awesome little startup, Bowhead Health in the health data space. And it's like, so I see both sides of it, right? Where you have a consumer, if you're going to like, you know, get patient centered here, why not? If you have a consumer navigating the system, they have like this plethora of options now for the first time, especially during a pandemic mm-hmm. where they're being marketed wearables, you know, tons of mindfulness apps. They're being marketed, you know, nutritionists on Instagram that are telling them how to do everything from, you know, how to have breakfast to, you know, how to reduce certain symptoms with with different things. And then you have the traditional healthcare system that's like struggling to get onto Skype, you know, and people I think are navigating, you know, as consumers, like what are my options? And they're, you know, looking for experiences and kind of their expectations are being shaped by experiences outside of healthcare, Mm -hmm. you know, like healthcare marketing doesn't necessarily exist in this, in this bubble Mm -hmm. as does public health knowledge translation, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of how I think of it in Mm -hmm. both my worlds. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not just marketing, you know, or trying to communicate this research study to a group of people or, you know, communicate the need to run blockchain pilots in hospitals. I'm actually just like sharing what's happening in either world to feed into this like ecosystem that the consumer is around because people don't necessarily want to be sold things anymore. Sure. Sure. That's a shift that we don't really always acknowledge. Maybe we should have, you know, defined a few concepts before we got into this, but can you, for our listeners, could you talk a little bit about like, what is it when we say knowledge translation, what does that mean? That might be new to some people. Yeah, fair enough. So knowledge translation also, you know, people call it knowledge mobilization. Mm-hmm. So it's this idea of how do you get research outside of the ivory tower? Mm-hmm. Like how do you push beyond, you know, the regular peer reviewed journal and along your research process, really integrate community and integrate your end users, you Interesting. know, and create these sort of communities that integrate and build trust through the process so that when you spew out results, like they know where it came from. And, you know, you have this idea of evidence, but you also have this idea of like compassion because you're producing knowledge that is disruptive, you know, like where the world is moving so fast Mm -hmm. that that research and knowledge actually disrupts. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to be seen as a threat in the ecosystem. You want to be seen as a partner to Mm -hmm. help you find the answers and learn. And I think that's the shift that is happening in academia and in universities that I'm fascinated by. And again, I think it's another way to look at marketing research, you know, uh, instead of like, you know, we we did this study and, and let's, you know, write a bunch of Forbes articles about it. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's one way to do it. But how do you also create community while you do your research so that it's being used even before it even gets into a journal? And then mm. when it gets into that journal, it's so saturated in the ecosystem that policy has to look at it. Ooh, that's and, great. Yeah. So that's kind of how I think about it. So many vendors, so little time Expecting me to know them all is practically a crime But it's what my job's about, yeah. it makes me want to shout yeah. I need some help designing who to use without a doubt Something everyone wants, like a secret decoder Something everyone needs, like your own baby Yoda Help me to choose, I can't afford to lose Isn't there a website that I really ought to use? Partech.health, 
martech.health. Do yourself a favor, check it out for yourself. Need to find a vendor? This is the way. Martech.health, who you gonna pick today? Martech.health is the vendor directory built specifically for healthcare marketing, communications, and digital professionals. People like you. Founded and run by the OG himself, Healthcare Internet Hall of Famer Ed Bennett. It's designed to make your next vendor selection process less painful. And here's why. Over 600 vendors across 40 industry categories, verified vendor reviews and ratings from your peers, a resource library of articles, videos, and events, plus an anonymous messaging tool to get your vendor questions answered without worrying about endless callbacks. All of this is free to use and share. Check it out at martech.health. It's funny how much that is echoed in the in the fully corporate world too. You know, and I'm sure you both see it too. I mean, just the thoughts of getting the disruptive ideas out there. It's, you know, for how many ideas are out there right now, it's not necessarily the thought that, oh, somebody had this idea of how to do something differently. Like the devil is in the details of truly how to distribute that and operationalize that idea. And that does take so much communication that sometimes we can just take it so much for granted. Yeah. You know, one, you know, as you're talking, Gina and Jared, one thing that one pain point that I I realize I always see is on the true clinical side of healthcare, we're familiar with, you know, we call it evidence-based medicine and leaders in those spaces, operational leaders have no problem, you know, consulting the evidence, reading up on it, doing a literature review and then making their recommendations. But what I'm noticing is more on the administrative side where I sit in the transformation teams, the strategy teams, we don't really ever consult the evidence, even though it's out there. I mean, there's tons of business journals, scholarly peer reviewed that talk about better ways of management, better ways to do enterprise transformation, better ways to do partnerships. And I would imagine there's a lot out there as well on digital transformation, which is a subject of this podcast. But I don't see, I don't know of any organization, at least in my sphere of influence or network, that starts with true evidence beyond maybe an HBR article or you know, some YouTube, you know, someone they heard speak at a conference. I'm curious, you know, what you guys think about that, or do you know anyone that's consulting the evidence on things like this? Yeah, Zane, I love what you said there. I think that it goes back to like evidence, like information doesn't lead to action, you know. No. Just because you know something or you know you should look something up isn't going to necessarily equip you with the motivation and the resources to bring that idea and then like implement it. That takes a bunch of people. Like that's a team sport, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that evidence is like right now, at least, really overwhelming. There's so much of it. And I feel like you can find evidence for anything sometimes. <laughs> so really, like I'm more interested in like, how are organizations creating like systems to learn together? How are Mm. ecosystems creating systems to learn together? Like for me on the B2B side and private sector side, like I see marketing as like, how do you create more spaces to learn? Especially if you're working in like the disruptive technology spaces in legacy institutions, like intersection Like you can't sell people stuff. Like you have to serve them. Like that sell to serve mantra is something that I I really keep in mind. That's powerful. Yeah. You see marketing as the, the, what did you say? The space for for learning. The space for learning. learning. That's different. We're building trust. Yeah. I have not heard that yet. 
So that's not, not, it's not necessarily one of those four P's, right? You know, that this is what right. I love because, you know, like we were kind of talking about in, in the pre-show, if we can, you know, if we had the opportunity to kind of blow up marketing as it currently is constituted and what it's known for, I still get, you know, somebody who I'm getting to know and they're like, hey, what do you do? And I'm like, well, this is what I've done at least, you know, I've been in marketing. I don't even necessarily use that word as much anymore. I talk about it, brand engagement at the very least. I talk about digital transformation. But then they're like, oh, wait, marketing. So they're like, so do you do like Super Bowl commercials? Like that's, I literally got that like just recently again. And I'm like, that's still what people think marketing is, is just, is, is just advertising. And I do use just in quotes because sure, there's, there's, that's a, that's one tactic. That's one area of the strategy that we're talking about here. But I think as we, as we really think about uh, opportunities to innovate, what we're talking about with knowledge translation, there are, there are so many opportunities here. Uh, Gina, I'd love to hear what any kind of starting point for how to innovate what we're talking about in healthcare organizations in particular. How do we even get, like, make some, I guess, have some momentum happen here? Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that question. And I feel like I always go to, you know, whatever you want to see change on the outside, you kind of have to start on the inside, you know, mm-hmm. and even on the personal front, like I think a really good place to start is like owning the fear. Because when you own the fear, you also mm. own what your consumers and stakeholders must be fearing, you know, mm. and I can use maybe a tangible example because those are always fun. We love examples. Uh, I love examples too. But like, okay, let's take my work at Bowhead, for example, right? Like I'm trying to create space and own the fear around this idea of the future of healthcare data. You know, all this data out there, is it safe? You know, how are we going to get people to to really understand it and then be motivated to want to own it and then actually use it? And I think that like, that's a really tricky space. So from the consumer side, you know, if you own the fear there, you're really owning transparency and transparency Mm -hmm. without really strong values is scary because Mm -hmm. you have to be able to back up what you're saying. So as a company, you know, our marketing strategy is to actually like build the muscle of like, what are we trying to do? And we talk about that a lot. We talk about transparency and how people need to not only read the terms and conditions, but actually understand them and want to ask questions. What kind of a company do we want to be to be able to allow that space for people to ask questions about the privacy of our app? It's built on, you know, blockchain technology, which we won't get into, but that's really scary. And you have to own that fear if you're going to own that space and take your consumers on a learning journey while also, you know, which is, this is the other fun part, taking your partners and stakeholders on that learning journey at the same time. So your brand now has two voices telling the same story. So you better get that story straight. And, you know, you better, and and I don't want to say you better, because you must, but you should (laughs) should. create, you know, spaces to learn together, right? So you're, you're not selling your partners aggressively on like the power of your solution, you're saying like, let's create spaces to own the fear together. That's basically and what a pilot is. A pilot, it out. Yeah. we've built some trust here. We're both learning. We've learned together before we've signed anything. And and now I'm ready to like create some space to experiment with you. Mm-hmm. you know? And I think that is a very values-driven decision for people still. It's Absolutely. not a region-based decision all the time. There's some of that there for sure, which is why it helps to have a couple of pilots under your belt and you know have some data to prove what you're saying. But that's meaningless if you haven't done 
the work of marketing, which I think it is, is as a company, how do you own and get to know who you are to your consumers and to your stakeholders? And that's, you know, not just your MarTech stack, but like it's, you know, contextualizing that stack against your goals and like really building that voice, you know, and, and shifting from just like a way of communicating to like a way of being like, that's really what your brand identity is. Wow. So there's a lot there and a way of communicating to a way of being. So I'm just thinking, Jerry, like of all the people we've had on this podcast already and how so much of what Gina is saying connects to deeper themes that we've heard before. So, you know, last week we had Katie and Paul on where their advice was to be authentic. Uh And I think Gina's hitting on that in acknowledging the fear. And then I know we had some other folks on here talking about partnerships and what the future of partnerships in healthcare looks like that looks like. And I don't think we heard as rich of an insight as what Gina's just shared around, you know, creating space sort of to learn together, journey together. That's tremendous, tremendous. You're right. I think I see a story arc of where things are going. And as we kind of build these questions and and these topics and themes on one another, we are headed in a direction where we do see a lot of change happening here. I love just the thought of taking steps in this direction, because I know some listeners will will hear this and there's a movement right now. Maybe it's just a fad. I hope it's just a fad, but, but there are definitely those in leadership positions in communications or marketing or in business strategy teams at healthcare organizations right now. And I think that the COVID exhaustion has just been wearing on them. And there are some out there who are like, I don't, I just don't want to, I don't have the brain capacity right now to, to think innovatively. You know, this podcast is one way that we're trying to turn around and say, hey, you know, like, don't let it overwhelm you. But still, like the momentum and the opportunity is greater than ever right now to innovate. Like if you're not going to innovate right now, this is your chance. And here's some little things to do to get you going in that direction. And so we try to, I guess, just pace ourselves and still challenge ourselves at the same time in terms of how quickly we we move down this road. I think it's beneficial to everyone, mm-hmm. needless to say, to consider new ideas and to consider what can we do to reimagine all these little parts of this experience. That's what this whole season has been about. As we head down that road, we like to think of it as a call to action in terms of like it, some step, where can we go first? If a leader's listening to this and they're like, I know, but I have all the day-to-day block and tackling I've got to do, you know, I've got the current plan, you know, how do I get started? What would you say to a leader in that situation? What I'm being drawn to, especially being charged by this conversation is really like, let's remember that healthcare is a shared mission. It's it's not a solo mission, you know? Right. And it's about collective impact, mm-hmm. which is, you know, such a beautiful thing to tell stories around. So as your day-to-day gets so packed and filled, which I can totally respect how full our lives and inboxes are, you know, like how do we create space for calling on each other to help each other learn, you know, and remind each other it's a shared vision and it's a shared mission and, you know, create communities because your communities also don't have to be like millions of people. Sure. Like, you know, a 20 person community is a great community. And that's, you know, people that can help you probably much more than a 500 person community could, you know, in some ways. I kind of say start small and really look for groups that are already gathering people. And it doesn't have to like you guys are a great example. Like I think over 150 episodes now, right? Like 
that's a really great group of community builders and innovators and, you know, getting involved in podcasts, I think is great. I run one for Bowhead Health and we have a futures community of 25 leaders and we really pushed global, right? Because we think that these problems aren't going to be solved by just one country. So we have seven countries represented. And I love that. 5% of people are, of our guests are women. Over half were people of color, you know? So it's like find community, make like ensure and do your due diligence to make sure it's diverse and inclusive and representative of who you're trying to serve at the end of the day, because in marketing, we serve, we don't sell and find that community and, and remind yourselves it's a shared mission and you don't have to do it alone. That's fabulous. Gina, we hope uh, we can have you back on and do a part two and like a part, a part three and just like turn this into, <laughs> into an ongoing series because there, you gave us so much to think about. Uh, thanks so much for, for giving us a few minutes today. You are so welcome. This was super fun. And yeah, I love what both of you are doing. I look forward to being in touch. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, what's a way that listeners can get a hold of you? Are you on uh, you're on social media somewhere? What's the best place for people to find you? I'm on all the platforms at Gina Opal, G-I-N-A-U-P-P-A-L on Twitter, as well as um, Clubhouse. Yes. <laughs> and I'm also on LinkedIn. Feel free to DM me there. I'm very open. Happy to chat about all things anything. Well, thanks so much again and uh, have a fantastic week. Thank you, Gina. Thank you both. Hey, this is Scott Burgess from Healthcare 360, the fair and balanced healthcare podcast, exploring everything you wish you knew about healthcare, but don't. Join us weekly in an open, transparent conversation with some of the biggest names in the healthcare business surrounding this one question and one question only. Had you known there were other options to exhaust and explore before you travel down the traditional healthcare route, how would you weigh those options against what you think healthcare and medicine really is? For more information about Healthcare 360 and how together we can help transform lives, visit scotteburgess.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us anywhere you enjoy listening. See you there. Thanks to Gina and Zane, and thank you for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation, and if you did, please, this is so important to us, please subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about this podcast. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health content network. Go check it out at Shift.Health. As we've been telling you each week, we have a ton of other podcasts and video series about shifting the way healthcare is experienced. This is all about building tomorrow's healthcare experience. You got to go check them out. It's all for free. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap.